Welcome to another dope episode of the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyu. You know, it's hard enough acquiring one term of degree. Trust me, I should know. But there are exceptional individuals out there that decide, why get one when you can get two? Today, I have with me my brother through the 68th house of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, A-Z-A-M-D-P-H-D, who, by the way, is also a recording musician. So, my friends, sit back, tune in, and listen, because this is the Voices of Black Folk podcast. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Voices of Black Folk. Today, we have um, just an amazing individual, the good brother AZA, who is a PhD, MD, alpha brother. I mean, you name it. Like, this man has traversed so many different paths, and we are so excited to have him on with us today. So, AZA, please tell tell our audience a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Man, yeah, like, um, you know, I'm, I'm a healer. I'm an artist and I'm someone who's just trying to leave um, a positive impact here. And, you know, the way that that's manifesting right now is that um, I do uh, psychiatric care um, at Yale. Right now I'm in the emergency department, um, just helping people who are struggling, man, living through this experience. Um, I make music, I produce, I mix, and music is a huge part of of how I think about um, healing and how I think about just how we um, as a community can uh, be resilient and, and, and forge bond with each other. Um, I'm a huge proponent of mindfulness and meditation as ways of really um, coming to a truer understanding of ourselves as we navigate. Um, my parents are from Trinidad, so I'm really influenced by sort of um, you know, the Caribbean culture and, and different aspects of the African diaspora, having Caribbean parents, but then growing up here, being really well-versed in African history, um, you know, going to an HBCU, North Carolina Central University. Um, and, you know, I did um, medical training and my PhD at Harvard and MIT. So I had a chance to kind of um, navigate that world and, and see what that's about and, and how those resources and infrastructures are utilized um, both to maintain power, but also sort of what the what the access to those privileges could could do and could be beneficial for for those who look like me. So, yeah, man, I, you know, I think right now I'm just in this place of just trying to really get to um, or continue to just uncover the layers of depth, you know, of, of who I am and and as a as a result of that, like who everyone else is, you know, and just relate mm. to people on that level. Um, so it looks different on different days, but those are kind of some of the main things that I'm, I'm really passionate about and, and trying to move forward. Very cool. And that's actually pretty cool. I didn't know your roots are from Trinidad. My, um, my partner, her, uh, her mom's fam- uh, side of the family is from Trinidad as well. Okay. Yeah, man. It's a beautiful place. Beautiful people. Beautiful culture, man. Very cool. Definitely look forward to seeing it once all this the pandemic subsides. <laughs> but um, so you actually point uh stated something that was really interesting um and something that I wanted to touch on. Similar to yourself, you know, we both attended North Carolina Central University. We're uh both part of the um the uh 68th house of Alpha Phi Alpha, the Gambeta chapter. Shout out to the home team. Um, okay. but you know. As somebody who has 
gone like has seen education from so many different lenses right you've seen it from the historically black perspective and you've also seen it from the extremely elite perspective i would love to learn a little bit more about what that transition like was for you leaving a school like north uh north carolina central and going to places like harvard and mit so if you could talk just a little bit about that yeah i mean i think you know there's there's a lot of different layers of uh of education right and i think when you think about college or med school, graduate school, there's sort of the education and like what you're gonna learn in class, what you're mm -hmm. gonna learn from your colleagues, professors. Then there's the culture. Then mm -hmm. there's like the infrastructure, like the resources. I think, you know, all of those things are very different in different places. So mm -hmm. I think my North Carolina Central University experience from an educational standpoint, I actually felt very well prepared um, to, to navigate both Harvard, you know, for med school and MIT as a graduate student and was able mm. to do really, really well. And I mean, my foundation was North Carolina Central, right? And, and, mm. and all, obviously the things that, that I experienced before that and the education that I received at, at home and, and at school before that. Um, but then from a cultural perspective, completely, you know, completely different landscapes. Um, I think as as people of African descent, mm -hmm. we're seldom in places that were intentionally created for us. Mm. You know, and I think the beauty of the HBCU experience for me was getting the 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 feeling of what that is, right? Because it's one thing to say it, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's one thing to say we're inclusive or we're anti-racist or we're this or we're that. But the feeling of being within an environment or being within a culture that was created for you. Mm -hmm. is very different than being in a place that was never meant for you but yeah. is now trying to integrate you in right mm. and so i think that kind of culture difference was definitely something that i felt and you know struggled with imposter syndrome and i didn't know that that's what it was at the time i didn't have the even emotional depth or language to know that that's what it was mm -hmm. um but i think all those things were were definitely a part of my experience but the the sort of you know, mentorship, the sort of love and the sort of community that I built at North Carolina Central, I think, allowed me to really navigate those spaces in a way that was always true to myself, you know, mm -hmm. and, and always really trying to, to get back to my values. And I think at some point in everyone's life, they have to decide, like, whether or not their values are going to be intrinsic to them or whether they're going to be dictated by what environments they're in. And mm -hmm. You know, at some point I made a decision that my values were going to be dictated by something intrinsic. And part of that was kind of the experience that I had at North Carolina Central mm. helped shape those values as a young man, you know, like you're 18, 19 in college. Mm -hmm. You don't really know, man. You're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to learn. And so being in a place where I had a certain value system and a certain sort of community, I think helped with that development and helped shape that process so that when I went to, you know, these other places and navigated and certainly benefited, no doubt benefited from, mm -hmm. you know, those privileges and those experiences. It was always from a place that was very grounded in, in, in my identity and, and what that identity was sort of, you know, um, got more and more depth as I continued to sort of evolve, you know, through the process. Mm, that's fascinating. And as you were uh, talking, I was, you know, I was thinking a little bit about like my experience, right? You know, so similar uh, to you, left North Carolina Central University after uh, getting two degrees and decided to pursue my doctorate um, within the Ivy Leagues, right? And so 
I remember uh, my first semester um, within uh, the Graduate School of Education at the University of Pennsylvania. You know, to my left is a student uh, from Stanford undergrad. To my right is a student from MIT. Uh, in front of me was students uh, from uh, Columbia and Cornell. And behind me were students from Duke, Vanderbilt, and uh, Wash U. And all I remember thinking is this, this in-depth ideology of imposter syndrome, right? Like, I don't belong here. They're way smarter than me. You know, they made a mistake allowing me in here. But as the semester went along, I realized something really interesting. And, you know, not only was I just as smart as them, in many situations, I had more cognitive and more cultural understanding of what we're talking about, opposed to what, you know, what, what they had, right? And I think a lot of times, as people of color, specifically as Black people, we um, when we think about the educational system or entering spaces, as you mentioned, that, you know, historically, they weren't really built for us, we almost embodied this deficit mentality, right? And so I would, so I just want to dig a little bit um, more into that. I would love to hear, um, you know, most people get an MD uh, uh, opposed to a PhD, but you decided to get both. So tell us um, a little bit about what that experience specifically was like and like some of the challenges that you dealt with during that process. Yeah, man. You know, I think as a sophomore at Central Biology major, I minored in jazz studies and philosophy, and I really wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I knew like I love science. I was really good at it. It's something I was passionate about. Um, and, you know, through a different, a bunch of different experiences, finally decided that like the MD PhD route was mm -hmm. the route that I wanted to go because I really, I valued science and just being able to like ask the right questions, figure out things, really push the boundaries of like knowledge. It was very exciting for me to do that. But I also wanted a container, something like a vehicle by which that science could then impact a person. Mm -hmm. I didn't just want to do science in a lab for science sake. Like I really wanted to have that science then be somehow translated to impact someone and, mm. and really viewed medicine as a really powerful vehicle for that because of the way that you can really, really integrate into someone's life and, and touch them at a really critical point, you know, and make a difference. Um, so decided to do the MD PhD. And I think, you know, it's, it's a challenging path because it takes, I mean, you're getting two degrees, so it takes twice as long, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for me, having, you know, doing the MD at Harvard and doing the PhD at MIT, you're now also kind of, you know, navigating through different, you know, in ecosystems, different um, infrastructures and, and learning sort of slightly different cultures as well between the two, the two institutions. Mm. Um, and so there, there were a lot of difficulties, I think, in, first of all, I think, um, really finding my groove, right? Like, I think there were some points really early on where I was trying to like imitate things or trying to like adopt things I saw other people doing, like maybe I'll study like this or maybe, a, and some of those things actually I learned really like great tools from 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 um, other, other students. But mm. I think again, coming back to that place of, if you are in an environment that wasn't created for you, and you start to adopt the values of that environment, you're going to feel like an imposter mm. because the values of that environment are not values that had you in mind, right? Like when they decided this is our institution, this is what we stand for, this is our culture, blah, blah. You weren't a part of that conversation. And so mm. when you come in and now you're trying to adopt those values, you will feel like an imposter. 
And so I think some of it was really me, again, kind of really getting back to this idea of like identity and how we identify ourselves, really getting to a deeper sense of what that was and a deeper knowledge of that allowed me to then say, okay, this is the institution I'm in. These are the benefits because they have definitely benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the aspects or the values that like don't resonate with me. And so I don't have to acclimate to those and I don't have to adopt them. I just have to figure out how to navigate around them to get the things done that I need done, you know. But, you know, there are things that you just don't have the the foreknowledge of like other people might have, right? Like some people that have parents who, you know, have gone through those systems, they're coming in with a whole wealth of cultural knowledge that helps them to navigate those things in a certain way, navigate those social dynamics in a way where like coming from an HBCU where we have, it is a different culture and it's a different value system in some ways, like there were things that you have to learn on the fly. There are things you have to observe and then adjust. Like, okay, when I when I when I approach things this way, I'm met with a certain reaction. But if I navigate this way, then I get the things that I want. And and so all of those things I think were a learning curve that, you know, thankfully, like I said, you know, I was able to to kind of catch up to. Um, and I credit a lot of that again for from um the training that I got during, during, you know, college and the training that I got from home that helped me to kind of navigate those rough spots of just acclimating and learning how to navigate those systems while also, you know, also staying true to myself. Mm. And you touched on this earlier, but I, 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 I just have to ask about it. Talk to us a little bit about your love for music and how that's been integrated within your life. Yeah, man, from, you know, from a very young age, music has always been really integral. Um, my, my dad's a multi-instrumentalist. You know, I grew up in the Black church. Um, and so, you know, anyone who's been to the Black, you know, to a, to a Black church, you know, Baptist, Church of God, you know, mm -hmm. any of those Seventh-day Adventists, you really, you, you have the experience of the power of music, right? Like you mm -hmm. see, you can see how music moves people in a very visceral and very embodied way and so as a young kid growing up in the church and kind of you know learning how to play instruments drums keys bass all this stuff I came really I became really acutely aware of the power of music to really touch people and move them and as I started to really navigate science and medicine there was always this kind of tension because you know typically if you're a doctor or you're a scientist you know and you're, my PhD is in neuroscience so like you're a neuroscientist and it's thought like that's what you should do. You can't also be an artist or you can't really take music seriously. Um, but throughout my education, like I was always doing music, taking lessons, you know, in, in, in high school, I was in band and chorus at Central. Like I said, I minored in jazz studies. I played in combos. I was in the university choir for a few semesters. Um, and even when I got to med school and grad school, I continued to really pursue music. And, you know, I got a scholarship from MIT to, to study at Berkeley for you know, a year. And so music was something that was just always like really intrinsic to me. And it's something mm. that I kind of refused to just not do. But it took me a while to really, again, it, it for me, it always goes back to identity, right? Like, and mm -hmm. who we view ourselves as. And one of the things that I realized that happened to me, like in that process of going through the MD PhD program, I don't know when it happened, but at some point I started to kind of believe this idea that like, all right, if I want to really be successful and I want to be serious about this, like I can't really seriously do music. Mm. It kind of has to be something that, you know, is, is, is on the side, something that's like a hobby. 
and it it took up until so like after I finished grad school, I came back to my third year of medical school. It it was really around that time, you know, just I had a few really influential people in my life that were also not only pursuing music, but really kind of started sowing this belief into me, like, yo, actually, dude, you've been doing music your whole life. It's something that you love. And like you actually probably could be really great at it if you, you know, if you decide that that's what you want to do. And I decided and, and I actually came to the realization that like somehow I kind of this is what I was talking about when it's like somehow I'd adopted the values of the places I was navigating in a, in a mm-hmm. sense to really start to believe like, oh, if I really go hard for music and like say I'm an artist, then somehow that means like I'm not going to be a good doctor or a good mm. scientist or less of a professional, mm-hmm. you know, physician. And no, like where who says that, you know, like it's just not actually a real thing. So at that point, that's kind of when I decided to take music, you know, really seriously and and pursue it as a as a career and as a as a profession as well as you know you know my career as a as a physician and scientist Hmm, that is fascinating and i think you know you hit on a very interesting point where you know you stated that who said i can't do one uh, without doing the other right and i think oftentimes we're almost indoctrinated in that ideology that in order to be successful at one thing you have to focus on you know that one thing and that one thing only and I you know I think about like my experience one thing I love I love uh the financial system right like I love business I love like the fundamentals of how business works but my background is in education right right? right. and so people would often uh tell me that you know well if you're going to focus on this um education or, or this educational degree that's all you can focus on you don't have time for anything else but I'm like who said I don't right like we all have the same 24 hours in the day and I think you know, I, I think back to something a mentor told me and I asked him, I'm like, you know, um, what is your profession? And he laughed and he said, well, in my lifetime, I've had at least eight. Right. He was like, I've been a doctor. I've been a lawyer. I'm, uh, I have uh, been in pharmaceuticals. I've been in, um, in all in venture capital and private. And like he was just naming off all these different things. He was like mm-hmm. the 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 American dream is a lie that so many people have been told. Right. It's this ideology that you go to college, you get a job, you stay in that job for 30, 40 years, you retire with a pension. And it's like, no, dead, like you man. can really create anything for yourself. Yeah, that's dead. I think, you know, at, it comes with it comes with hard work and sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? So like, I'm not gonna sit up here and pretend like, oh yeah, like I do these, you know, I do all these careers and like it's super chill and blah, blah. It's like, no, it's hard. like being a doctor is hard on its Mm. own (laughs) you know what Mm. i mean being a scientist is hard on its own making it in music is hard on its own if you try to do all those things together it's just gonna be hard Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like you have to be who you are Mm. so it's like if i know that that's intrinsic to me if i know that that's a part of my purpose i know that that's my passion i can't spend the time i'm here not doing that Mm. For anybody you know what i'm saying like if if i know that that's what i need to do then i have to do that and and also trust in the process of like if this is what i'm supposed to be doing if i do it mm-hmm. that will lead to the result that it's supposed to lead to mm. you know and and having that that self-awareness and, and self-belief you know is what and and also having that community too to be honest because that's mm. what makes it doable is having a community of people that mm. like actually believe in you and support you right so if it was just me trying to do it it would not be tenable 
it wouldn't be tenable, you know, but I have people in my corner that believe in me. They believe in my mission. They believe in what I do and they support me. And that's, that's what, honestly, that's what makes it possible. And so talking about that community, you talked and you used this word earlier, sacrifice. I know like you are a father, you have children, you have a partner. Talk, how difficult was that balancing both family life and also your career? Or how difficult has that been? I mean, it, it, it was difficult. It is difficult. You know, it was difficult and it is difficult. And I think, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to be honest and say like my family life took a hit, you know, mm. um, especially during grad school. Now, you know, I was young, like I was in my, my early mid twenties while I was in grad school. And so, you know, at that time, it's like, I was really, and I was at, I was at MIT doing a neuroscience PhD. Mm. Right. So like, that's, that's very challenging. It's, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of sacrifice. And so I would say that there definitely was a hit to like my relationship um, with my ex. And I think once around the time that like my daughter was born, which was like kind of middle through graduate school, I started kind of having a shift of frame mm. and, and kind of really reprioritizing, I think, things. But there was a time where I feel like I actually was I was imbalanced in some ways, right? Like in mm. giving way too much of myself to like my academic pursuits. But at the same time, like the way that I approach life, it's like, that's probably what had to be done at that time. Like, I don't know that I would have had the success that I had and set myself up now to do what I'm doing and be who I'm, who I am and who I'm going to be for my family mm -hmm. if I hadn't done the things I did at that time, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't look at, I don't look back at it with regret in that way. But I do mm. acknowledge like the way that I was spending my time at that time was way more skewed towards like really trying to knock out sort of what I was doing uh, in the academic in the academic context. And this is not like, you know, when you look at the stories of like really successful people, especially in high impact fields, you know, it's not uncommon to hear that at some point they feel like they sacrificed on some level, you know, their 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 interactions with other people or their family life or you know it's only like you said it's only 24 hours a day right so at some point if you're spending a lot of time doing something there's going to be a hit mm. and i think part of it again is having those people that understand that right mm. and understand like what it takes to be who you are what it takes to like especially as a a, a person of african descent in this society what it takes to navigate these environments successfully you know, and, and, and can support you through that. Mm. Mm. That is who, and I think, you know, that, that leads me to my last question, which is with everything that you've accomplished with everything that you've done, you know, what's, what's next. And um, in addition to that, what advice would you give those who are pursuing more so of a traditional route, but also want to make sure that their passions aren't um, being left on the back burner as a result of that. Yeah, man, that, that's a great question. I'm just trying to figure out what's the best, the best kind of cutting way to answer that. So I think, you know, the, the first thing I think is that you have to really at some point get to the best understanding of who you are. Mm. What I mean by that is like, there was a point where 
I was trying to balance all the external things, but was internally not balanced. Mm. And so that becomes a very frustrating and very difficult thing to do. And it's probably like really not that doable. Mm. So when you ask what's next, a lot of my process now is really focused on having like very, having a big vision, right? Having mm-hmm. very, very big vision and, and, and sort of a, a large plan, but not really getting too stuck on the details or things having to be a specific way or things having to follow a very specific sequence because all the variables that go into like who we are, what we become, there's so many latent variables, right? There's mm-hmm. so many things that we just don't know and just don't have control over. Mm-hmm. And if we try to really micromanage every step of the process, it will become very frustrating because we're working with such limited information. Mm. So a lot of what I'm doing right now is really honing in more on now, like being in the moment now, letting things flow now and not getting too caught up in the future or the past, but really letting letting things unfold in their natural process. Mm -hmm. And so my best advice to someone now is to really understand like the depth of who you are because, and the reason I say that is because once you get past like, once you get past the physical body, once you get past the mind, once you start getting into the depth of who you are, then you Mm -hmm. start to really tune into like this way of being balanced internally. And then there's something about achieving balance internally or really focusing on that internal balance mm-hmm. that begins to shape things externally in a way that you really just can't understand and predict. But it's a very beautiful process. And so I don't really know what the future holds in that sense. Like, I know that, you know, music is, is going to be critical. It's going to be a very important part of it. Mm-hmm. I know that being a physician and being a neuroscientist is going to be really important. It's a very critical part of it how those things are going to shape together, you know, and there's a lot of stuff I'm working on. I'm, you know, my, my startup and, and app development and like all these things, how they're going to shape up. Like, I don't really know, but I'm really so focused on just making the most of now that I don't worry too much about that. Like it'll work itself out. I just try to keep that internal balance and by that internal balance, then everything else around me is sort of brought into the right perspective. And I found that to be like, for me, the best way of operating. And I think if someone who's in sort of a, a traditional career, but has these different passions, if they st- spend a little less time focused so much on the external things mm-hmm. and more time focused on the internal things, those natural passions will start to manifest themselves in a way in their life where they will figure out more like what they're drawn to. The way that they spend their time will start to be, you know, it'll start to kind of take the shape where they're getting to this much fuller way of experiencing life than, mm-hmm. than they might've imagined. And if we focus too much on the external, like there are just so many limitations and constraints and, and things that just aren't really true to who we are. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of like how, how I approach things now. Wow. Brother, thank you so much for that. And this has been such a, an amazing episode of what is the black folk with the good brother AZA. Um, and Again, thank you so much for embarking not only your truth, but so much knowledge on our community. And 
For all of you out there, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to tune in. Here at Voices of Black Folk, we really want to highlight people that look like us within our community doing great things. Until next time, peace. Yeah, bro. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and really took something from it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, like, and share this episode. Our goal on this podcast is to highlight and give a voice to the Black community by bringing phenomenal individuals who are creating and charting paths toward greatness. And through your support, we can continue to change lives. Thanks again. And don't miss the next episode of the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyu.